Amen. All right, we're going to have some scripture reading. Anybody ready for the word of God? I believe there's a Miss India in the house that's going to be reading the scripture. Would y'all encourage her as she comes? You know, we got to do more of that in church, encouraging one another. Come on, y'all. How you feel? You feeling good? Oh, yeah, after that, I know you are. All right. We're going to be in the book of Joshua, chapter 14. No, I'm sorry, chapter 7. Judges. Judge. Oh, no, they ain't judge. I was told, Judges 7 nah, through 13. No, it's Joshua. <laughs> it's, it's jo- hold on, hold on. Let me, let me make sure I ain't the one tripping up here. Let me, let me make sure. Let me, let me check my... Yeah, it's Joshua. Yeah, it's Joshua. Chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. Okay, we're going to wait on you. Get a Bible. Do what you got to do. Come on, y'all encourage her while she look. Anybody got a Bible out there? Somebody give her a Bible somewhere. Okay. Well, you know, Judges and Joshua sound the same, so I see how y'all could have got that nah, mixed up. Nah. <laughs> Joshua chapter 7. Chapter 7, 10 through 13. Chapter, starting at, yeah, 10 through 13. We're in Joshua chapter 7, verses 10 through 13. When you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say hold up. I'm going to hold up on you. That's Joshua chapter 7. All right, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say go on, move on, I'll find you. Go ahead. Okay. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen and dissembled. Also said they have put it every even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for thus said the Lord God of Israel, there is any accursed thing in the midst of them. O Israel, O Israel, thou cannot stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed from the among you. Amen. That's well, the English, that was English version. That's English. Come on, y'all give it up of for course. the Spanish version. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Come on, y'all celebrated like it was English up in this place. Come on now. That's the reason why I write it over these little words. I understand. Take your time. Okay, here it is. Y Jehová dijo a Josué, levántate porque te postras así sobre tu rostro. Israel ha pecado, y aún han quebranzado mi pacto que yo les mandé. Y también han tomado el, ana, el anatema y hasta han hurtado, han mentido y aún lo han guardado entre sus enseres. 
Por esto los hijos de Israel no podrán hacer frente a sus enemigos, sino que delante de sus enemigos volverán la espalda por cuanto han venido y ser anátema, ni estaré más con vosotros, si no destruyeréis el anatema de un medio de vosotros. Levántate, santifica al pueblo y di, santifícanos para mañana, porque Jehová, el Dios de Israel, dice así, anatema hay en el medio de ti, Israel, no podrás hacer frente a tus enemigos hasta que hayáis quitado el anatema de un medio de nosotros, de vosotros. Yeah, give it up for Miss India working that thing, yeah. <laughs> Making a way out of no way. Well, it is an honor and privilege to always preach God's word. I am incredibly grateful to stand before you week in and week out. I do realize that God can use anybody at any time. And uh, whenever you get a chance to preach his word, you want to carry it diligently and you want to carry it with seriousness. And so as we come uh, to God's word, I pray, God, I pray that it will bless your heart and bless your mind today. A pastor phoned the home of some recent visitor to his church. This ain't got nothing to do with y'all, just so y'all know. And a voice on the other end of the phone answered with a whisper, hello. The pastor said, who is this? The whisper said, Jimmy. The pastor said, how old are you, Jimmy? Four. Well, Jimmy, can I please speak to your mom? She's busy. Well, then, Jimmy, can I please speak to your dad? He's busy. Jimmy, are there any other adults in your home? The police. Can I speak to one of the police officers? They're busy. Jimmy, who else is there? The fireman. Well, Jimmy, can you put one of the firemen on the phone? They're all busy. Jimmy, what are they busy doing? They're busy looking for me. <laughs> like Jimmy, a lot of people in life are hiding. I want to tag my text this morning. Some things can't be hidden. Some things can't be hidden. Some people are hiding from their situation. Some people are hiding from people. They're hiding from bosses. They're hiding from spouses. Believe it or not, some people are hiding from churches. Some people are hiding from themselves. But worst of all, People today, everywhere, are hiding from God. But that raises an important question. In light of the fact that God is everywhere and knows everything about us, what would possibly motivate us to want to hide from him? I would argue that there are many things that causes us, church, to hide from God. But at the top of the list... The number one thing that causes us to hide from God is our own sin. Yeah, yeah, y'all not going to talk to me this morning. That's okay, because some of y'all are hiding right now, but I'm coming for you. Uh, nothing will make you hide from God 
like your own sin. Mm -hmm. When we want to hide our sin, we hide from God. When we want to hide our sin, we hide from God. Do I got a witness this morning? You ain't got to play holy this morning. Uh, Sin will make you run away. Sin will make you find the darkest corner. Sin, 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 sin will make you run from the church. Sin, sin, sin will make you see the pastor in the grocery store and, and, and hide behind the cereal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sin, the Captain Crunch. I just said that because I love Captain Crunch, by the way. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. But sin, I have you hiding from God. I want to preach from that thought. Some things can't be hidden. There are some things you just can't hide. If you eat raw onions and garlic, we gonna know. We gonna know. Your breath gonna be kicking hotter than Bruce Lee, then we gonna know. If you stop bathing or using deodorant, you won't hide that from long. Some people make it hard to worship next to them when them arms go up. Oh Lord, help them Lord. Deliver thee some degree. Mm. Y'all know I'm crazy. And this one's going to hit you hard. If you smoke enough weed, your fingertips going to give you away. I know some of y'all don't smoke in here, but for y'all that do, I done been to some barbers. They want to line you up right here. I'm going to need you to wash your hands, man. I'm going to need you to wash your hands. I love preaching to y'all. Y'all just ain't going to be real with me this morning. Y'all act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. If you try to hide sin in your life, your secret will eventually get out because sin will affect you and it'll affect those around you. I love the way Numbers 3223B puts it, and be sure your sin will find you out. Psalms 90 verse 8, thou hast set our iniquity before thee our secret sins in the light of thy continents. We find ourselves in Joshua 7. And I would like to give some context before diving into the text. Israel has just been involved in a great military conquest. Friends, we've been in the book of Exodus and we're kind of fast forwarding to the book of Joshua, not Judges, Joshua. We're fast forwarding to the book of Joshua. It's almost like when you put that fast forward on 64 and it speeds up. And so, so we're speeding up in the story. And Israel has been involved in a great military conquest. They witnessed the amazing defeat of the city of Jericho. If you've been in church long enough, you know about the city of Jericho. They marched around the city seven times over six days and they shouted and they blew their trumpets and the city walls fell down. Ain't that something that God will give you the victory without shooting a shot? Uh, God will give you the victory as you shout his praise. That's why y'all to shout sometimes. That's why y'all to stump your feet sometimes. That's why y'all to clap sometimes. That's why y'all to put some energy in your hands and give God the praise. Because sometimes you don't need a theology book. You don't need to go to seminary. Sometimes all you need to do is remind yourself that God has already. I know I know, I got a long way to go, but I want to park here for a minute. Because, because when I think about all the way that he's uh, made me victorious little had to do with me 
They walk around, they march around the walls of Jericho. But our fire ain't a shot in the walls come down. And friends, they are still basking in the glow of that great event. Oh, it's a good day for Israel. They've been doing good, battle after battle, victory after victory. They are feeling good. And they are sure that they are unbeatable. They are certain that every obstacle in their path will be moved and cut out of their way. But, 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 their fortune quickly changed. Verse 1 reveals the truth that God is upset with Israel. We're in a chapter where God is upset with his people. Israel thought that everything was all right. God had given them the victory after victory. They were sure that that, that this would continue until they conquered all the land that God had promised them. You know, back in Genesis that God had promised Abraham the land of Cana. And so they are now, right now in this chapter, presently conquering what God had promised them. And they're sure that they're going to get all of it. The word but in the verse, and I encourage you when you see but, you need to ask why it's there. And verse 1 signals a change of fortune for Israel. Up until now, they had been blessed, used greatly of the Lord. But now things have changed. They thought they were unstoppable, but they did not know that there was a serious problem in their midst. They didn't know that there was a serious problem in their midst. There was one man, Achan, among them who was causing a problem for the entire family of God. He decided to play hide-and-go-seek with God. But friends, some things can't be hidden. We learn this, we learn this in the text today, and, 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 and this is what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 4. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Let me run that back again. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the one to whom we must give account account. Okay, let me put it plain. God knows what's going on with you. <laughs> God, God knows what's in your closet. God knows what's in your heart. Ain't, ain't nothing hidden from him. Everything is exposed. If there's anything in any of us that we think we have hidden away, anything that we think is covered, I want us to get that, that issue solved with God today. I want us to pull those hidden things out of that dark place and to put it before the light of the Lord. We can in this passage tell that God knows everything. And most of us are like Achan from time to time. Let's be honest. We allow sin into our lives, do we not? We try to hide those sins and we try to cover them up, do we not? When we do, we bring pain and we bring trouble into our lives. These verses teaches, teaches us something. It teaches us that some things cannot be hidden. 
We will take this chapter in two parts, part one today and then part two next week. Today, we will take a look at Israel and get some community lessons. And then next week, I want to come back to this chapter and I want to zoom in on Aiken and get some personal lessons. But today, I want us to get a lesson as a church as a whole. Chapter 7 of Joshua starts with addressing the arrogance and defeat of Israel just experienced against another army called Ai. Notice with me the truths revealed in these verses. Number one, God allowed Israel to fail. God allowed Israel to fail. Friends, Israel is on high. They have more wins than the 96 bulls. Are you with me yet? They are in, they are the 2015-2016 Warriors. If you remember that, they, they surpassed the record of the Bulls, but the Bulls is still the best team in history. I just, I just want to put that out there. They did not win the championship. I'm just saying. If you recall, the Warriors were actually destined to win the championship that year. They had surpassed the 96 Bulls record. LeBron and the Cavs were the underdogs, but the underdogs beat the team with the best record in the championship. Friends, this is what is in this chapter. Israel is going up against the underdogs, and yet they are going to get their tails whooped. You say, how? Isn't God on their side? You say, why would God let this happen? Well, let's see. God has given them victory after victory, and it is in their many victories that a sort of arrogance slips in amongst the people of God. There seems to be on the part of the people of God a presumptuousness that the victory of Ai is absolutely certain. I want you to watch it. No matter how we live, no matter how we think, no matter how we feel, God got us. Friends, isn't it in the season of good that we tend to think that God doesn't care about our lifestyle? We tend to forget about God when the victory is ours. We tend to reason because of God's kindness in spite of my lack of prayer, my lack of walking upright with God. God is going to continue to bless me. Y'all know how we get. Y'all know how we get. We, we, we begin to, 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 to think that because God gave me the job, he's on my side. We begin to think since God gave me my man that I've always wanted. Some of y'all like, <laughs> just keep looking at me. Because God gave me the wife that I always wanted because I finally graduated from college because, because I found a $100 bill on the ground. Y'all know we extra spiritual. We find a dollar on the ground and we think, oh, God is with us. But just because you're being blessed doesn't mean that God is okay with your behavior. I'm going to preach to you this morning whether you talk back to me or not. We tend to think because of a season like the 96 Bulls that all is well. Sometimes the most dangerous place is a victorious place because it is easier to forget God. This is the attitude of Israel. They reasoned that because God had given them victory in the past, they would certainly know victory in the future. No matter what they did, no matter what they thought, but God will give us the victory when we are humble. But when pride creeps in among his people, God will oppose you. 
but he gives more grace according to the book of James. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Let's see Israel pride. I want you to check it out. We see in the verse that the spies went out to scout out the enemy's land. They say to Joshua, Joshua is saying, usually this is what they do before they go out and fight. They were seeing spies out to look at the land. I mean, that's smart. They want to see what they're going up against. They want to see what's before them. And so they go out. Now check it out because here's where their arrogance slip in. You can kind of sense it in the text, but hold on because later on, I'm going to show you some background things about Israel to really help you understand that they're actually walking in arrogance, which is causing sin to be hidden among them. But watch what they say. Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack AI. Do not make the whole people toll up there, for they are few. They like, hey, check it out, Josh. We went to go check out the land. <laughs> hey, bro, this is going to be a piece of cake. These people are nothing. They're a small group. They ain't going to be able to do nothing with us. AI will be no problem for a great army such as us. They had defeated greater armies than this army that they're getting ready to go up against. This ought to be a piece of cake. This ought to be a no-brainer. This They should be able to beat these people with one hand tied behind their, their back. AI should be no problem for the people of Israel considering all the victories that they had. But see, here's where their arrogance slipped in that because they forgot where they came from. Oh, friends, this is the same thing that happens to us. We forget where we came from and we begin to think that our strength is in what we have and no longer our strength being in God. Okay, I'm going to preach to you this morning because Israel, you remember Israel, right? Let's rewind back a couple weeks ago. They were a bunch of slaves. They were a bunch of oppressed people. They had no jobs. They had no degrees. Nobody knew about them. All they did was try to make brick with no straw. Pharaoh didn't treat them right. And now all of a sudden, they got some victories under their belt. They got them a 401k now. They got them some degrees now. They get blowing up on Facebook and Instagram. And all of a sudden, they think that they're winning because of the numbers that they have. But friends, one thing that you cannot forget is why you got the victory. It ain't about who's the underdog. It's about who's underneath you, dog. And as long as you understand that God is underneath you and God is your strength, you got to understand that it wasn't by strength. It wasn't by might that you got released from your sin. It was because God stepped in. Oh, friends, okay, okay. You don't need no seminary degree. You don't need to know the hypostatic union. You don't need to know eschatology. No, you don't need to know any of those big words. And some of us think that we're closer to God because we got some theology under our belt. We know all the names of God. But here's the one thing that you need to know. And the saints of old kept close to them. They knew this one thing, that they were nothing without God. That's what you need to remember, that you are nothing without God. Doesn't matter how many victories you have. Doesn't matter how many things you triumphed over. You better remember and you better not forget it's only because of God that you're winning. Because without God, you'll just be that regular old person you were before. 
that no good sinner. Some of us, before we came to God, we were tied up in so much mess that we didn't know which way to go. Some of us in this place, we were so deep in drugs that we didn't know where to go. And what I'm telling you this morning, friends, if not be for the grace of God, you will become that same person you used to be. God is holding on to you. That's why you're still walking in faith. That's why you're still walking in hope. That's why you're still walking in victory. And Israel had forgot that God gave them the victory and they become arrogant. God will let his people lose some battles before he will allow sin to live among them, especially pride. Why? Not that God would ever condemn his blood-bought people. Don't get me wrong. No, no, no. God won't do that. But because God loves you enough, he loves you enough to confront your sin and not to allow pride to mislead you. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. Confidence is a good thing if one confidence is in the right place. When we are walking with our hope and our confidence in the Lord, we will be victorious. But when our confidence is in our ability and in the power of our flesh, we are destined to fail. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Paul says, you think you're standing? You think you're standing? You better, you better watch and make sure that you're standing on the gospel. Y'all remember the old hymn, right? All other ground is sinking sand. How do you know when you have misplaced your confidence? How do you know when you have misplaced your confidence? Lean in on this one. When you think you can hold on to sin in God at the same time. When you think that you can hold on to sin and hold on to God at the same time, you have misplaced your Confidence. It reminds me of the monkey jars. I know y'all saying, Pastor, what in the world monkey jars got to do with anything? A man took his family to the city zoo. They went to the monkey section and saw many monkeys. Knowing how crafty and agile monkeys are, the man asked how they were able to catch so many. The zoo attendant responded, we use monkey jars. The man asked, what is a monkey jar? The attendant responded, a monkey jar is a jar that's large enough for a monkey's hand to go through. And we find out where monkeys live in large numbers and place many jars in that area. The jars are filled with peanuts. The monkeys come to put their hands down in the jar and grab a handful of peanuts. When they do this, they have a problem. The only way they can get their hand free of the jar is to let the peanuts go. But being the monkey that they are, they hold on to the peanuts and ultimately become captured by zoologists. Friends, we get ourselves trapped in sin the same way. Jesus comes and says to us, let it go. 
let your sin go and follow me. However, many of us act like those monkeys caught in the peanut jar. We just can't seem to let it go. And because we don't let it go, Satan calls, grabs us captive and we suffer from it. When Israel went up to Ai, they suffered a ter terrible defeat and 36 of their number were killed. This must have been a de devastating to the Israelites, the ramifications of their defeat. Because there was sin in the camp, 36 men died. 36 sets of children lost their fathers. 36 mothers lost their sons. 36 wives became widows. And I'm slowing down here because... That's a high price to pay for sin. Sin is devastating. Sin comes to do one thing, to kill, steal, and destroy. People of Israel are being destroyed because of the foolishness of pride among them. I want you to notice two things that they didn't do when they went to go up to war against this little small nation who should have been a piece of cake for them, this little small nation that shouldn't have took much for them considering all the victories that they had. I want you to notice something that they didn't do. And, I, and, and as you notice it, I want you to notice yourself in the text as well. Notice this, that, that they didn't pray. Be, 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 before they went into battle, they, they didn't pray. They, they didn't seek God, how, how often do we go into battle before seeking the Lord? Nowhere in this passage does it even hint that Joshua and the people of Israel sought the will of God for dealing with AI. They didn't even pray about the matter. If they had, God would have revealed the problem before people had died. How many times have we jumped ahead in life without seeking the Lord? We tend to act first. And consult God when things go south. Oh, y'all not going to talk to me this morning. Y'all ain't never, y'all, oh, y'all ain't never did that. Y'all, yeah, y'all ain't never been in that situation. You went on and did your own thing. And then when things went south, you started running to God. You started, I mean, I mean, I mean, a lost battle will cause you to go running to God. But the reality is you need to run to God before you ever get in a situation. And nothing reveals our arrogance more than a lack of prayer. When you stop praying, that means you're dependent on yourself. When you stop praying, you think too much of yourself. When you stop praying, you're, so, you're, you're too arrogant to see God. Prayer is our strength. Unfortunately, sometimes we only run to God when things are bad. Here's the second thing that reveals their arrogance. Not only did they not pray... They didn't even take the Ark of the Covenant into battle. Okay, some of y'all not blown away because y'all don't understand what the Ark of the Covenant symbolizes. The Ark of the Covenant symbolizes God's presence with Israel. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in other words, the Ark was the tangible physical evidence that God was with them. Watch the arrogance now. They go into battle without God. They step onto the battleground and they left God back at home. 
And oftentimes, a lot of us are experiencing defeat in our marriage, defeat at our job, defeat in our situations because we keep leaving God at home. Israel left God at home. It is is here in this area that we find out that they are all about themselves. We try to live the Christian life the same way. We fight the flesh and the devil in our own power, and we fail time after time after time after time after time after time. Y'all remember in the book of Acts, y'all remember those jokers that went to go cast the demon out, right? It was, it was the sons of Sceva, and they went on over there talking to that demon because they seen Paul do some things. And so they say, if Paul can do it, I can do it. Anything you can do, I can do better than you. And so they went into a situation dealing with a demon and they said, in the name that Paul preaches, come on up out of there. <laughs> Boy, that demon looked back with a with, with an attitude and said, butter rum, who are you? <laughs> Funniest line in the Bible. He beat them out of their bowls. No, I didn't say that. It, it, he, he beat them so bad, he beat them out of their Pans, friends, you can't go into battle, a spiritual battle, if you don't know God, if you ain't been praying to God, if you ain't been talking to God. Oftentimes, we want to try to act like we know God and try to do the things of God, but you can't do it if you don't know him. Not by power, not by strength, but by his spirit were they winning. Friends, don't ever get too big-headed that you don't think you need God. God will let you lose against the underdog just so you know you're nothing without him. God let Israel lose the battle so that they would know that they're nothing without him. Friends, God would allow you to lose small battles just so that you know that it is not by your strength, that it's not by your might, but that you've been winning because of him. You see, Achan is the one hiding sin, but it is Israel's attitude as a whole that creates space for this sin to grow right under their noses. Bethel Gary, is this the kind of arrogance, a reflection of our fellowship? Are we seeking the Lord? Are we depending on the Lord? Let's not move too quick here. Let's let the word of God meddle with us for just a little bit. Let us allow the word to search us. Are we standing on the spirit or are we standing on ourselves? How often do we pray together? Come together over the word before we go into spiritual battle. I honestly think in my own assessment as the pastor, uh, we can do better in this. Do you think God wants people to be defeated? God wants his people to have the victory, not defeated. So he takes the necessary steps to reveal to the nation of Israel just exactly what the problem is. Friends, God would allow defeat to reveal sin because even if we don't see it, God does. And he will help us see it. He would allow defeat so we can see that we never win without him. And so God takes Israel from this place of victory to this place of shame. He takes them from a place of victory 
to a place of shame. God knows how to reveal sin among us. God knows how to pull what we're hiding out of us. And, and so God is sort of like that Stanley, that Stanley Steamer. Y'all know Stanley Steamer. Anybody know Stanley Steamer? I love, I love Stanley Steamer. Oh, they will clean some carpet and they'll clean it for real. But I don't know if you ever had a cat in your house. If you had a cat in your house, you know when they, when they, when they urinate in your house, Everybody and their mama going to know that they, oh, you don't want no cat to do his thing in your house. And so, so what you do is you got to call out the professionals, but you got to understand how Stanley Steamer actually deals with urine. What they do is that they cut off the lights. They put you in a dark place and they, they take this special light and this special light in the midst of the darkness is able to reveal where the urine is because it's in the darkness that the urine makes itself known. And what I'm trying to say as when we're hiding things from God. God will put us in a dark place in order that he might shine a special light down in our life so that he can reveal whether urine is in your life because God needs to pull it out and maybe you can't see it. And so God will bring you to brokenness. He'll bring you to your knees. He'll humble you so that you will see where your sin is. God breaks them. He brings them to their knees. They were arrogant, but now they've been humbled because God needs to deal with a situation. God does what your mama do when you used to act up in church. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, when you used to act, she, she will, she'll pull you by the shirt, by the collar. She'll take you in the bathroom and have a conversation. God says, okay, we got to have a family meeting. I'm, I'm going to have to grab Israel by the collar, take them to the bathroom, and I got to teach them a thing or two. Oh, you ain't never been in that situation? He pulls them to the side because, because, because God needs to handle some family business. Uh, they, they have got beyond themselves, and so God wants to deal with them. And, and it's funny because the first person that breaks is Joshua. I find this very interesting because the first people that ought to break before the people of God are the leaders of God. The first people that ought to break over seeing ought to be the pastors of the church. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I want to encourage you that, 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 that you ought to see some, some brokenness in your leaders. And if your leaders can't break over sin, you need not be up under them too much longer because, because it's important that the people of God are sensitive enough to the presence of God. After this tragedy occurred, Joshua finds himself before the Lord in prayer. Isn't it funny how a good butt whooping will send you crying after God? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, God, God spanked their tails and, and Joshua Went crying, and you know how I know he was crying because I know he did that. <gasps> oh, y'all don't know about that. That's when you're trying to hide your cry, and you you know you try to wipe, but that <gasps> will give you away. So Joshua is on it. <gasps> he, he's doing one of those right now. God has kicked their butts. You can't hide that boy. That's that. Oh, you didn't got it. Oh, you didn't got to woe out when you get that. <gasps> yeah, yeah, right there, right in the chest area there. I just want y'all to feel Joshua right now. It hurts. God got him real good. He tagged him real good. You never been in that place in your life when God made you just a little bit. He had to spank you just 
a little bit, and, 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 and he did it because, because he needed your attention. You took your eyes off of him. You had stopped praying. You stopped enjoying his presence. You just started enjoying his gifts. And God had to pull you to the side. He had to pull you to the bathroom for just a little bit because, because I need to get your attention. Joshua, it's not that I don't love you. It's not that I don't care about Israel, but I need to get your attention for a moment. I need to talk to you. There's some things going on among you that I'm not pleased with. Some things among you that I'm not happy with, son. And therefore, I got to deal with some things. Spending, Joshua was spending little to no time in prayer. Then tragedy comes and all of a sudden they remember God. Nothing makes the church pray like a season of defeat and brokenness. Nothing makes the pastors pray like a good spanking from our father. His prayer is from a broken heart. Watch Joshua. Then Joshua tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord into the evening. And he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. I want you to look at the posture, friends. We know this. We, we know that Joshua is humble because he puts dust on his head and, 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 and he tears his clothes. And in and, and, and the, and the Israelites' culture, that was a sign of brokenness and humility. He is sorrowful. He is broken. And his prayer is full of reverence and respect before the Lord. But, 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 if you watch it very closely, Joshua is a little mad at God. You ain't never been mad at God, broken and mad at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's like, I'm going to go back to when your mom spanks you. You, 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 you. you look back and you appreciate it, but you're kind of mad at her just a little bit. And so, friends, Joshua is having a dilemma in his own soul that, 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 that there's reverence and respect for God. But at the same time, he's mad at God because he believes that God has allowed him to lose. But Joshua's going to learn something today, and you're going to learn something as well. Joshua is going to learn that prayer is the correct recourse in a time of trouble. He will also learn that prayer will avail nothing until sin has been dealt with. Let me say that again. Sin will avail nothing. Uh, Prayer would avail nothing until sin is dealt with. We see this in Psalms. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You see this also in James, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We must never, friends, listen to me, we must never blame God. We must never blame God. Why, pastor? Because God is never the issue. And Joshua should have knew this. He's been walking with God long enough. He knows God is faithful. He knows that God doesn't turn from his word. He knows that God is capable of defeating AI. Joshua, why would you think the problem is with God? God is perfect in all of his ways. He never lies. He never missteps. He never does anything wrong. I just want to talk to somebody in the room that's angry at God, but I came to tell you that God is never the problem. God is always righteous, always faithful, and there is never sin in him. Okay, let me help you out. In the book of Peter, he says, there was no iniquity found in his mouth. Okay, that didn't impress you, huh? 
how many people you been with for three years and you ain't found no iniquity in their mouth? I mean, you ain't found nothing. You ain't not a lie, not a cuss word, not a nothing. Some of y'all going to have iniquity in your mouth for y'all leave here today. He said, some, some of y'all are holding it. Y'all are hoping that God will deliver that iniquity out of your mouth for you leave because you got some people you got to deal with when you get out of here. And so you figure that you come to church and maybe God will deliver you from that cuss word you've been saving for them. But here, right in the book of Peter, he says it was nothing found in him. That he was spotless without sin. It's not one ounce of wickedness in Jesus. Joshua, why are you taking up issue with God? God is faithful. God ain't failed you. Joshua, the problem ain't with God. The problem is among Israel. And when we fail, it ain't because God ain't do his part. It's because we ain't did our part. When there's a lack of power in your life, the problem is not God, nor is it with others. The problem is always with us. The same is true in the church. When there's powerlessness in the church and souls aren't being saved, when the services are dull and lifeless, we need not blame the Lord. He's doing his part. The problem is always a problem within. It's not in the songs. It's not in the right lighting. It's not in the hot coffee. It's not in the right pictures. It's not in the right paint. They can change it to a honey sucker if they want to. Doesn't matter. The problem is not without. The problem is usually within. And God will not move in power until we acknowledge, repent, and ask him to remove sin we are holding on to. How often have you placed turning away from your sin with prayer? Uh-oh. Can't say amen, say ouch. There are times, my friends, when it is inappropriate to say, I will go away and pray about this. And sometimes... We said we're going to pray about something, come on now, so that we can continue to walk in disobedience in something. You know you need to turn for that. I'm going to pray about it. You ain't going to pray. You know you're not going to pray. You know what you're going to do. You're going to go home and you're going to keep doing the same thing and you're not going to pray. So let's not lie. Stop saying you know you're going to pray. You know you're not going to pray, guys. We know how this is. No, I'm going to pray about it. You ain't going to pray. We're not going to pray. And Joshua, it's funny because God tells Joshua, get up. Why are you crying out to me? Why are you crying? God is saying to Joshua very, very clearly that the defeat of Ai is deemed to one thing, a violation of the covenant that God had established in chapter 6. And going into the city of Cana, the gold and the silver and the bronze was to be taken and brought to the sanctuary, and anything else was to be destroyed. Someone had violated the covenant. God is saying to Joshua, the reason for your defeat is plain and simple. Someone has violated my covenant, Joshua, and it's time for you to go into action. It's not the time to pray. This is the time to deal with the sin among you. Joshua has been around the Lord long enough and should have known this. 
The problem is within the church. I love the way one preacher puts it. It's not the water on the outside of the boat that causes the problem. It's the water on the inside of the boat that causes the trouble. The same is true for the church. Often the greatest problem faced by the church comes from within and not from without. I can't say amen, say ouch. Sometimes our lack of power is because of what's going on in the inside, which is why it is important that the church confronts sin within the body. Okay, let me teach for a moment here. Racism shall have no place in the church. Injustice, misogyny shall have no place in the church. And we can go around and close our eyes like it's not there and it doesn't exist. But when we walk in those things, we are not walking in the power of the gospel. And the, and the, and the power for the church is the power of the gospel. And let me park in the book of Galatians for a minute. Because Peter had divided himself from his brothers and he, he separated himself. And Paul confronts Peter to his face. And he says, you are not keeping in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We ought to be bold enough and have enough courage in the place and love each other enough that when I see sin in your life and I see you mistreating your brother and sister, that I'll stand flat-footed and tell you that you are not staying in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And friends, when we turn away from our sins, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we may ever think or even act. Jesus says that they'll know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. He didn't say how many times you come to church. He didn't say how many religious words you know. He didn't say none of that. He said you'll know, they'll know that you're my disciples by the way you treat the person next to you. And you know good and well, it's easy to love God and lift up your hands, but it's hard to love that person next to you. It's hard to stay in fellowship with them. And the moment we lose unity, we let Satan go ahead and come into the camp and do what he wants to do, but I believe the Bible says that it's on all of us to keep the unity of the faith. It's on every last one of us. And so God is saying, Joshua, uh, there's sin among you, and you need to deal with it. And the reality is, what I love about this text is, while they're over there trying to fight AI and unaware of the sin in their camp, God already knows that it's there. God already sees that it's there. Isn't it funny that before you come to an understanding of something, God is already there? Isn't it funny that, 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 that while you're in your right now, God is in your not yet already. God knows what is going on amongst them. They can't see it. Aiken's playing hide and go seek with God, but some things can't be hidden. While Joshua and Israel try to figure out what is happening, God in heaven already knows and reveals it to Joshua. He tells, he tells him that there is sin in the camp of Israel. Reminds me, we family here. I'm going to go ahead and let y'all in on one of my secrets again. 
Now, when I tell y'all this, I, I, I don't want to see this on Facebook later on. I don't want to see this on IG. I don't want to see this on Snapchat. I don't want nobody gossiping about me in the comments when I tell y'all this. I did something really bad when I was a young boy. I was about six years old. My dad, I went to, I went to Jewels with my pops, y'all. I was kicking it with him, and so, but I was hungry. I was hungry, and so because I was hungry, I decided to steal a little candy bar off the rack. Don't tell nobody. Don't judge me. I was hungry, and so I took the candy bar, and I took the candy bar home with me y'all. And so I get home, I get underneath, I get underneath the bed. I mean, I'm tucked up under the bed, you know. I mean, I'm tucked, you know, when you're tucked up under there, you're way up under the bed. I'm way up under the bed, and all of a sudden, while I'm enjoying my candy bar, my dad bends down under the bed and says, son, I seen you take that. Friend, ain't it funny the things that we think God don't know? We think we got away with our candy bar. And God's like, I know what you did last night. Listen, y'all, I was playing hide and go seek with my daddy. My daddy told me to come from up under that bed. I ain't stole the candy bar since. He wore my tail out. But friends, I came to tell you that God said that you ain't got to pay hide and go seek with him because you can come from up under your beds because, no, no, not that God wore you out, but that he wore his son Jesus Christ out so that you can come from out of hiding. I'm trying to liberate some folks today with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You ain't got to play hide and go seek because God played it already for you. He hid his face from his son so that you didn't have to hide your face from him. He hid his son on a deathbed so that you wouldn't have to hide under your bed. And he raised them on the third day, brought him out of his tomb so that you can be brought out of your darkness. I'm trying to tell you 2,000 years ago that God stretched you, hung him high and stretched him wide. And for you and me, he died so that we wouldn't have to hide anymore. God wore Jesus out so that he didn't have to wear you out. God wore Jesus out so that he didn't have to wear you out. So here's my encouragement to you today. You ought to come out. You ought to come out from hiding. You ought to come out of your pornography. You ought to come out of your cheating. You ought to come out of your adultery. You ought to come out of your lying. You ought to come out of your stealing. You ought to come out of your oppression. Why, 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 why? You ought to come out because God raised him so that you can come out. And here's the good news, friends. If I can go back to Stanley Steamer and I'm in my seat, the thing that I love about Stanley Steamer is not only do they show up and show you where the problem is. No, they don't just do that. They don't just show you where the problem is. They actually offer you a solution for your problem. Not only can they show you where the urine is, but they got the power and the resources to remove the urine. And what I'm trying to say to you is that you ain't got to hide because God got the power to deliver you from whatever sin that you're going through. Oh, he's better than Stanley Steamer. God has the ability to remove your sin and to set you free. We're going to see next week that Achan is exposed by God. But what I found profound about Achan is this. God gives the boy all night to repent. And he never repents. God says, Joshua, check it out. I want you to get all the tribes. I want you to get all their families. And I want you to gather them together. And I'm going to point them out one by one. 
And the last one standing is the sinner. God tells them this the day before. Can you imagine Achan sitting in his bed, knowing that God is going to expose him in the morning and he doesn't, he doesn't repent? Why didn't he repent? Achan couldn't repent. Why couldn't he repent? Because sin had hardened his heart. Friends, the word of God says this. If you hear his voice today, do not harden your heart, but seek the Lord while he can be sought.